Today on Rooted Daily, we talk about if we are sinning when we obey or disobey stay-at-home orders that prevent us from worshiping together. Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where in 10 minutes or less each day we root you in the Bible so you can grow with God, you can weather the storms of life, and you can bear fruit. I'm Brandon Levy, and last week uh, we put out a call for questions for a Q&A next week about the coronavirus, and we've gotten a lot of different questions about everything, about how to plan out your Bible reading when you're stuck at home, ideas for family devotionals, but nearly a third of the questions that came in were in one way or another asking the question we started to address yesterday. While the government continues to enforce stay-at-home orders, even on churches, arresting people trying to worship together, should we obey the government and health authorities? Biblically speaking, are they allowed to dictate how we worship? And we're uh, at least a month after when most of our congregations had to make difficult uh, and dramatic changes to how they worship. And now that we have some time to reflect, it's important that we ask if the immediate in-the-moment answers we came up with to respond to this crisis line up with God's Word? And if not, how do we change direction? You know, regardless of the decisions we've made up to this point, we need to open up God's Word with an open mind and ask, are we sinning if we stop worshiping or together under the threat of government force? Are we sinning if we break the law to worship together? Does the perception of this all matter? And the question that's probably most important looking forward, does time matter? In other words, maybe we decided uh, we could look the other way for a week or two, but do our answers change if the government demands we don't meet together for many months? Or some are even speculating about a year uh, or even more where large gatherings would be banned and that the government may permanently change or regulate certain things for those large gatherings. You know, the general principle we found yesterday is this. Our default position as Christians should be to obey authorities. And that's what we've seen the vast majority of Christians have done as governments have banned uh, public gatherings. We also looked at an important exception, though, where government irreparably forces us to stray from the pattern of God's word, we have an obligation to rebel in a way that will most allow us to live peaceful and quiet lives dedicated to God. So how does that apply to what is going on right now? The first question we have, question number one, was are we sinning if we stop worshiping or worshiping together under the threat of government force? And I think if we apply the biblical doctrine we looked at yesterday, our answer is maybe. Here's why. First, uh, if the government irreparably impairs our ability to serve God, if they say we cannot worship, period, or they order us to disband from other Christians permanently, or they say you must stop loving your neighbor and your God, we of course would be sinning if we obeyed that. That's very clear. But of course, That is not what the government is doing. And the vast majority of states, at least that I'm aware of, the government has made explicit provisions for worship to continue. They're allowing small groups to go in and record services. They're allowing people to go out and and help the vulnerable and so on. That, of course, looks very different. And I don't think 
uh, anyone is arguing that it's ideal, but we should be careful to distinguish between biblical pattern and our own traditions. There is biblical precedent for these kinds of scenarios where it's not safe or legal for the church to meet in mass. And the solution they found was not to meet by the thousands, the thousands and uh, direct defiance, but to go underground and meet house to house and write letters uh, and so on. They showed us, uh, the early Christians showed us, that even though they must have loved being all together in Jerusalem in the early days of the church, the pattern God had set for the church could be used even when those kinds of large gatherings weren't possible. You know, since we can still obey the Bible's pattern for worship, even while we understand the importance uh, to try to be together soon and we long for the day we can, we aren't sinning during this time that we are separated. But I said maybe to this question, so when would we be sinning if we stopped meeting together because of the government's order? Well, I said you know, we can still obey the Bible's commands while we're observing social distancing, but that doesn't always mean we are. If we are using this time to stop worshiping, or we are replacing what the Bible commands for our own preferences, then no matter what the government says, that is sin. That's why this time of reflection is so important, because we need to go to God's word and prayerfully reflect on if our necessary improvisations over the past month line up with what God has designed for us to do. Question number two, are we sinning? If we break the law to worship together, you know, hopefully, hopefully we've seen uh, so far uh, helps us with this one. If we are unnecessarily breaking the law, that is sin, plain and simple. Our default setting is obedience to the authorities, whether we like it or not. If we are not irreparably impaired from serving God faithfully, then we need to listen to what the authorities said. And in a time and a place where nearly everyone has the ability to either worship in their homes with their families or worship with a, a congregation online, I think we need to be very thoughtful about what we actually consider a violation of biblical pattern and what just imposes on human tradition. Now, there's an important corollary here that I think actually makes the question to gather or not to gather much simpler to judge. And that is how we are reacting to these orders otherwise. You know, we're talking about worship services here, but clearly these orders aren't just targeting churches. They affect nearly every part of our lives. Uh, I think it would be a good check on our heart to evaluate how we're responding to stay-at-home orders elsewhere in our lives before we look at the church. So are we obeying government in all these areas of our life where the Bible is crystal clear? Obedience is demanded. Obedience is our default. So if we find ourselves with a rebellious spirit about social distancing at a grocery store or, you know, masks aren't required, just recommended, but we find ourselves trying to find loopholes and, and disobey what we can from the rules uh, that they've set up for everything outside the church, then we've got a heart problem, not a doctrinal problem here. You know, that's when we know this isn't really about our ability to worship together, but our desire to rebel against authorities that we just don't agree with. And when you hear about elders, unfortunately, or any Christian making decisions uh, to leave buildings open or, or otherwise defy uh, because they think that this is a hoax or it's political, 
That's a big problem. That's them saying that they aren't considering if they can still obey God, if they obey government. That's them saying they disagree with government. And so the rules aren't worth obeying. That is sin. That is a rebellious heart. And we all need to keep close tabs on ourselves to be sure that it's not growing within us. When authorities are wrong, when authorities make bad decisions, our default should still be to obey, as long as they don't irreparably prevent us from following God's pattern. Question number three, does the perception of this matter? You know, on one hand, we have to do what's right, no matter what anyone else thinks. When the government tells us to do something uh, that doesn't violate God's word, we should stand up as Christians in obedience, no matter how uh, unpopular that is with anyone else. And when government tells us to disobey God. We should stand up boldly again in disobedience. And in that sense, it doesn't matter what people think, or maybe it does matter, but it's just not of first importance. But that's all about the easy stuff. You know, what about the tougher questions that we're facing right now? Does the perception that our neighbors or other Christians have of what we do on the gray areas matter? And I think there is a case to make that it does. Paul often surrendered some of his freedoms for the good of others and for the advance of the gospel. He was free to marry, but he chose not to do so, according to 1 Corinthians 9.5. He was free to be supported in his ministry, but he often chose not to do that. And look again at 1 Corinthians 9.1-18. He had certain freedoms that he chose not to exercise for the benefit of others. So what does that mean for us right now? Well, I don't think it changes anything about whether or not we should obey government orders or not. That's a matter of what is sin and what is not sin. Paul never sinned for the benefit of others. He just chose to exercise or not exercise some of the liberty his salvation in Christ afforded him. So it does not matter what people think about obeying God versus government authorities. That's a, a question for God and his word, not public opinion. But there are questions where we have liberty here and public opinion then might matter. There is some gray area in the government's rules. Do we wear masks or not? Or when we go back into our buildings, what do we do to keep people safe or not? And I, I think that gray area might expand as restrictions loosen and how we act could matter to the perception of others. How we protect the vulnerable might show our concern for them. How we clean things or, or the special procedures uh, we adopt could show caring for the health uh, of our Christian family uh, and those visiting during worship services. Unfortunately, on the flip side, some things may be viewed as an overreaction and cause even more fear or anxiety than is necessary. So on matters where we're asking if something is sin or not, then perception isn't what should guide our decisions. But on matters of liberty, perception has to be taken into account uh, and, and, and prayerfully thought about. And finally, question number four, does time matter? You know, we can all get by for a couple of weeks. We've been in this for about a month now. We're ready for it to be over. So do our answers to these questions change if the government says we can't gather for another month or two months or through the summer into the fall? What if the authorities want to change how we do things permanently? And I think that was my biggest concern when we first had to move services online. You know, our stay-at-home order, it was only issued for 
uh, a couple of weeks at first, but I think anyone looking at the models they were using to guide their decisions could have told you they were bracing for months of this. So what do we do? You know, obviously time does matter. And while it might be okay to overlook Bible reading, for instance, for a day, it's not okay to overlook it for a year. That's a, a simplistic argument, but I think in some ways it applies to us gathering too. We can't go months without the church. It is our body. It is our family, and it is not good for us to be separated. You know, that, uh, that really doesn't mean much for our calculus of disobeying or obeying the law, but we need to be sure, especially as time goes on, that we are continuing to observe God's pattern for his family, even if that means we have to get creative. You know, we'll talk about some ways we can do that next week, but that brings me right up against my time, if not over it. So I'm going to stop here. You know, these were some good questions, and it's important that we keep going back to God's word to be sure that in this unprecedented time, we continue to stay rooted and Christ and strong in our faith. And that'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue talking about how Christians should respond to the coronavirus pandemic. So I'm looking forward to sitting down and talking with you about that next time.